wants it. There you go. All right. John chapter number five. Let's open our Bibles. That was good singing, man. You guys like that? Praise he's not. I saw some of the guys go, hee, hee, <laughs> barely hit that note, you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a hard one first thing in the morning for sure. Uh, Brother Sion, good to see you. Is mom, mom baby here or are they at home? Okay, they're nursery. All right, so if anybody wants to see. Now look, if you've been puking, coughing, sneezing, don't go touching that baby, all right? I'm, I'm saying that on behalf of mama because mama's too nice to say it. I'll say it for her, all right? Uh, but if you're healthy, go love on that baby. Go see that baby today. I, I, we're we're uh, thankful, brother, uh, for a healthy mom and a healthy baby. Um, and it's just a blessing to be in the church family. I was reading my Bible uh, actually this morning in the book of Exodus, and I was just uh, kind of reminded of the fact that uh, when, when the priests would come in and the priest's sons would come in to minister, God's commandment to them was, <laughs> wash your hands and your feet lest you die. It, 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 it's kind of like, like there's certain things that like, you know, I should get at church. I mean, imagine if Lord's like, be at church on time, lest ye die, right? Or like, like I'm glad we're not on the Old Testament. Uh, but I will say there, there's a, a New Testament application of that, and that's this. You'll get a whole lot more out of church when you're cleaned up. Uh, and uh, church definitely helps you stay clean, no doubt. It's, it's, that's part of what it's here for. Uh, but I'll tell you what, that you will experience uh, a joy when you come to church that you don't otherwise when you are willing to clean yourself up before you make it here. And for, for sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes you get to church and, you know, uh, one kid has a shoe, one shoe missing and, uh, you know, one kid was, you know, pulling the other kid's hair and so you're screaming and throwing your hand back and wherever the hand lands, it hits something and you say, praise God, it hits something, right? And, and you know, maybe you're arguing with your spouse or whatever and you pull in. And you go, Lord, would you just clean up my mind? Now you go, well, I'd like to, preacher, it should be done at home. Yeah, but we don't always get that. And uh, I'll just say this, clean up. And if you go, well, what does that mean? Well, maybe right now, before you get into the Bible, uh, just on your own, as we're getting ready to read some verses, go, Lord, uh, you know this is going on in my life. Lord, you know this is going on in my life. Lord, I haven't talked to you about this. And I want to make sure things are right so I can hear from you. I want to be a clean vessel this morning. And when you approach God that way, he'll bless you for it. John chapter 5, John chapter 5. And uh, talking about uh, the revelation of the Father and how God, the Father, revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, the reason that this is an argument or this is any kind of debate, if you will, is because earlier in the chapter, Jesus heals somebody. And Jesus was not just a mystic healer. He was not just someone that thought he had power or people thought they saw him do things. Uh, he is the Son of God. Uh, but, but we're going to learn some things about the power that he had from the Father and why he had that power. Uh, but there were those uh, uh, there in that day that thought, well, you make yourself the Son of God, and you're saying you're equal with God, but we don't believe that. Uh, so he, he goes on to explain some things in John 5. Look at John 5, uh, verse number uh, 21. Uh, verse number, actually, verse number 20. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things in himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which, which hath sent him. All right, so if someone says, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ, then there's a problem there. Uh, look at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Aren't you thankful for that verse? 
That is, that is a real blessing. Verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, verse 25, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And have given him, what's the next word? Authority. He's given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Now this is where you're going to kind of raise a, if you're familiar with uh, rightly dividing your Bible, there should be kind of some signals going off in verse number uh, 29. Uh, because what you read there is not exactly uh, anything to do with the judgment seat of Christ, nothing to do with your resurrection. Uh, but let's look at it and we'll explain it. Verse 29, and shall come forth they that have done good. First off, I'm not resurrect. I'm not going to rise from the dead because I did anything good. I'm coming up from the dead because he is good and because I accepted his righteousness. So this is aimed at a different group of people. Think about who he's talking to. Uh, who is Jesus Christ talking to there in John chapter 5? Talking to the Jews. All right. And they're going to understand some of these things from the Old Testament. And shall come forth they that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of what? Damnation. All right. Let's go ahead and ask God's blessing on this. Father, we do thank you for this morning. Thank you for safety, Lord. Thank you for uh, the ability to make it, Lord, no blizzards, nothing like that, Lord, the vehicles to get here, the clothes on our back, Lord, the food in our stomach, Lord, and just thank you for a place to come that's uh, a haven from the world, Lord, a, a place that's protected, Lord, from, the, as the Bible says, this present evil world. God, we love you. We thank you for our church family and ask for your blessing. The Holy Spirit would guide and lead us in all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, there are some things here I want to make sure that I'm very clear about, but before I do that, look at John chapter 3, go a little bit to the left. Uh, I want to explain some things uh, just about how God chose to reveal himself. And of course, we talked about this before. Jesus Christ, after he rose from the dead, sat on the right hand of God the Father. That's a position of power. It's a position of authority. And it's a position of delegated authority. We talked about authority a lot last week as well. Uh, authority is not something that God gives people that cannot first submit. Uh, authority is given to those who are willing to submit and be obedient. Now, uh, there are those, I'll say it this way, uh, God-blessed authority is given to those who are willing to submit the right way. Uh, and you'll see that in the life of Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 3, look at verse 31. Verse 31, talking about the nature of Jesus Christ. Uh, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. Let me just say this right now. If you're ever around people and all they ever do, I mean, even say people, and all they ever do is talk about the football game and the weather and the politics and this campaign, that campaign, and there's never any mention about Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that they're lost, but I'm going to tell you this. They're carnal and they're living according to this world. And you as a Christian, they're, they're, you, ought to have, you ought to desire to be around someone that every once in a while mentions Jesus Christ, not as a cuss word, all right, but as, as someone that, that, man, we're in fellowship with him. We're walking with him. We'll learn about that in the morning service. Uh, but, but notice he mentions that because he's trying to say, I'm not that, I'm this. I'm from above. Look at verse 32. And what he has seen and heard, that he testified, and no man received his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The earmark that Jesus Christ is who, he says, uh, is who he said he was, is that he speaks the words of God. Uh, and there's a connection between speaking the words of God and having the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. Uh, hold your hand there and go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, do you realize that you ought to talk to yourself? 
Some of you are like, I do that all the time. I'm glad you're confirming that from the pulpit, you know. Uh, my wife does it all the time. I got to do this, got to do that, got to do this, got to And I'm always like, is this like her way of saying she wants me to help? I don't understand what to do here. Uh, James like, yeah, that's what that is. That's what that is. But, but uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, notice what is said here. Ephesians 5, look at verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But, look at the contrast, the contrast of being drunk is you're out of control. Uh, when you see people that claim to have the Spirit of God, and they're filled with the Spirit of God, and whatever else, and they're rolling around the ground, they're foaming at the mouth, and they say, I lost control, and the Spirit took over, that's not biblical. When the Spirit leads you, he, by the way, He never takes over you. Uh, he'll lead you, He'll guide you, and He'll fill you. Uh, and when you're yielded to Him, what He'll do is He'll, he'll take you in a certain direction, uh, but He doesn't take over where you lose your will, and you lose control. As a matter of fact, the more the Spirit of God you have in your life, the more control you have of your flesh. Uh, look at uh, verse 18. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to who? All right? Speaking to yourselves. Now, I'll tell you right now, one of the problems Christians get into is they speak to other people about problems they don't need to speak to other people about. Amen. And sometimes you're speaking to other people about other people's problems, and that's definitely a big no-no. And sometimes you're speaking to other people about your own problems, and it's not that it can never be a, a, a good thing. But I'll say this. You've got to learn to tell it to Jesus. And you ought to learn to have some conversation with yourself and go, what, where am I going here? What's this all about? What, watch what he says, though. If you're going to talk to yourself, talk to yourself the right way. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one another in the fear of God. So again, there's this idea of when someone is led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, uh, they're going to speak the words of God, first to themselves and then to others, and secondly, they can submit, all right? And that's kind of like a, a cuss word today, like, I'm not going to submit to anybody, I don't need to submit anything, I'll do what I want. Listen, they got the new uh, um, express lanes, and the new express lanes, sometimes they're a little bit, uh, a little dicey because they got the solid lines, and you're not supposed to move out of the lane when you got the solid lines. Some of you are already smiling right now. Has anybody gotten a sweet letter from the state of Colorado with any fines yet? Yeah, so have I. Don't, don't, if you don't raise your hand, you are lying when you don't raise your hand, all right? I got mine. I got mine. And, and I'll tell you what, I was like, let's do it. And right around that time, the Lord said, Romans 13. I said, you know, and I said, I'll pay it, but I won't be happy doing it, you know. Uh, but, but the truth is, uh, if you can't submit, that's a sign of rebellion. And when you're a rebel, uh, I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit's not the one leading you. Now, there's a time you've got to make a stand. You've got to make a stand against things that are wrong. Uh, but how you do it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, if you do it in a cocky fashion or you do it in a way that's not, uh, uh, I'll just say this, led by the Spirit of God, you do it in the flesh, uh, even if you were right, you're wrong. 100%. Uh, if you went to your boss and said, I think you're stupid for doing this, well, guess what? You're wrong. You might be right, but you're wrong now. All right? Ladies, your husband's not always right. Can I get a witness? All right. Yeah, yeah. Even the guys were on that one. Amen, amen. All right. But if, if you yell at him in front of the kids, you yell at him in front of other people at church, let me tell you right now, that's a problem. Now, I've, never, I've not seen that, so everybody calm down. It's not like pastor's trying to address a, a secret problem in church. I'm not, but I'm trying to help you understand that, like, even if you're right, sometimes you can be wrong. Because how you approach the thing. And, and the, the idea is this. If someone is in authority over me, the way I'm supposed to look at it is that God gave them that position. 
And until which time they go against Scripture. Now, once they go against Scripture, it's my responsibility to respond the right way. Uh, look at uh, Daniel. Go to the book of Daniel. Daniel. Um, I'm saying this because we are, uh, we're Americans. And there's uh, every, there's, now, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> he, he, your strength, your greatest strength is often your greatest weakness. So you know what I learned about Americans? When you travel abroad, you'll figure this out. Uh, Americans are very individualistic. Now, this generation coming up is less that way because they're growing up on social media where everybody does the same thing. That's communism. Uh, but the way that this country was founded is very individualistic. And whether you like it or not, that's the culture of the, of the country. And therefore, one of the, one of the, and it's a strength. It is an absolutely a strength. That's why you have more small business in America than any other country in the world. All right. Uh, but I'll say this right now. It's also weakness because when you are so independent that even God can't tell you what to do through human instruments, that's a problem. Amen. And let me tell you something. Jesus Christ paid his taxes. Now, when they told him to quit preaching the truth, he just kept preaching. But when they said, should we pay our taxes? He goes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Matter of fact, I, I, I wish every every April 1st he'd have a fish jump out at me with a bunch of money. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, look at look at the book of Daniel real quick and uh, go to Daniel chapter uh, number one. Daniel chapter number one. Daniel chapter one. And uh, look, if you would, at Daniel one. Now go back to uh, verse five. And the king appointed them a daily provision, the king's meat and the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now, among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The reason you know them in those names, look at verse 7, is that when they went to Babylon, they changed their name from Jewish names to Babylonian names. Now, what that's a picture of is the world wants to change your identity. And uh, look, look at verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he, what, what's the next word? He what? He didn't demand, did he? I know my rights. He didn't do that, did he? He said, hey, can we please work it this way? And let me explain why. Uh, you'll actually find later on in Daniel, I believe it's in Daniel chapter number uh, three. Look at Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. And look, if you would, at verse number 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, it is, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, great picture of the Antichrist, Revelation 13, but if you worship not, you should be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know, I never noticed there. I never see them yelling. I never see them uh, making names. I never see them bringing accusations against the king. I never hear them saying this is a messed up government. I never hear them saying you're an absolute dictator. You know what they do? Hey, you have to do what you have to do. And we have to do what we have to do. You say, well, it's the right attitude towards authority. Um, so, so the reason I say all this is this. The reason that Jesus Christ had the power that he had, go back to John, go back to John chapter 5, 
uh, is that he was obedient to the Father. And because he was obedient to the Father and committed the Father's will, look at John chapter 5, and look down if you would. Uh, we're going to come back to this verse in a minute, but I want you to see this. Look at verse number uh, 30, verse 30, John 5, verse 30. Look at it around halfway through the verse. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. You know why the, uh, God the Father delegated that authority to the Son and committed it to him, the, 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 the authority to judge and the authority to resurrect others from the dead? You know why he did that? Because the, father, the, the Son was committed and he was submitted to the Father's will. He had no agenda. And this is the problem with human nature. Even sometimes when we are right in our quest, our agenda makes us wrong. And because he didn't have his own, it wasn't like he wanted, I'm going to prove this and I'm going to show everybody who I am and I don't deserve to be treated this way. That's a human response. And we all have been there. We've all been in a position where people mock us, make fun of us, uh, don't treat us right, don't respect us, maybe even make fun of us as Christians. And I want to respond, you know how I want to respond? I want to respond with the flesh, man. And, And Jesus Christ didn't do that. He just said, here's truth. And the reason he had the authority from the Father is because he was obedient and he was led by the Spirit of God. There's a principle here. Uh, You know God gives power to those that will submit. He retracts power from those. Look at the life of Saul. He was an absolute authority. That's what kings were in in that day. You look at Saul's life after, after the encounter with David, and man, for the rest of his life, you know what he is? He's kind of like an insecure, a sniveling old man, always looking over his shoulder, always watching the shadow, always worried about someone taking his power. That is not how someone with confidence lives their life when they're led by the Spirit of God. And, and, so, and so what I'm getting at is this, uh, learn to say, Lord, I'm here for your will. Don't, don't, don't cover it, don't, don't, don't seek God's will with your agenda. Go, Lord, what is your will? And that's where power is given. Look at Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter one. The, the whole argument here is, do you have the power that you have from God or is it of men? And that was the argument that these people brought to Jesus Christ. It's clear his power is from God the Father. Look at Acts chapter one. Uh, you want power as a Christian? Uh, I, listen, I grew up in a, in a uh, uh, charismatic church. I'm not making fun of those people. I'm really not. But I remember the idea as a child that you would, uh, the way that you expressed power was by speaking in tongues or dancing or rolling around the ground. I grew up in that. Uh, it kind of, kind of seemed to not believe that because of how I preach and all that, and what I teach about that subject. Good people. Love them. I don't hate them. But, but it's not the right doctrine. And, and what I'm saying is this. You don't, get, you don't express power by your volume. You don't express power with outward show. You know how you express power? By submission to the Spirit of God. If you don't believe that, look at Acts chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 8. Verse number 8. But ye shall receive what? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and with that power, what do you do? You speak in tongues, roll around the ground. Do you uh, show? No, you don't even. You know what it is? You're going to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, do you realize what happens? Uh, you go to Acts chapter 8. I know some of you know this already, but look at Acts chapter 8. God promises them power, and with that power, they're supposed to do something with it. Do you know what happens when God gives power for you to do something with it, and you don't use it the right way? God might allow some affliction to come your way to make sure that power is used the right way. And if you don't believe that, he tells them, I'm going to give you power so you can be witnesses in all these places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Did they do it? Nope. They all stayed right there in Jerusalem. So you know what God does? Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at where? 
And look at this. They were all scattered abroad. And where did they go? How about that? Judea and Samaria, just like God told them. And now he said this, I'm going to give you some things in your life as a believer. I'm going to delegate some things to you, some gifts and some power. You better use it the right way. Because if you don't use it the right way and you don't submit to the Spirit of God, you may find some affliction coming your way so that what God has given you is expressed the right way in this world. Because it's not yours, it's His that He gave you. Does that make sense? Through the Spirit of God. All right? And because we see Jesus Christ was submitted to the will of the Father and He was led by the Spirit, He had the power, listen to me, to resurrect others and to judge them someday. Uh, look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. By what power does he rise from the dead? Look at Romans chapter 1. You know what? It's the same way you're going to rise from the dead. <laughs> Romans chapter 1. Look at verse number uh, 3. Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made the seed of David according to the flesh. And, that, uh, and that's important because some people, the Gnostics, uh, they would say that Jesus Christ was just a spirit. He never really rose from the dead physically. Uh, look at verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with what? According to the Spirit of holiness. That's the Spirit of God. By the resurrection from the dead. All right? So, so again, what you're seeing here is this. There's a connection between submission of the Father's will, submission to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and power being given. Uh, go back to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And we're going to see here that what Jesus says has to do with him having power uh, to judge. John chapter John chapter 5, and he mentions a particular judgment. Look at John 5 and verse number 21. And what I want you to get is this, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth, that means brings to life. If you're not familiar with that term quicken, uh, uh, they would even say, like if you cut yourself in your nail, uh, nail bed and you cut down lower than the cuticle, you know what they say? You've cut to the quick. You say, what is that? That's, that's the, the live part of you. The nail's the dead part. It's the dead skin cells, right? Just kind of there. All right, well, you get down to the quick. All right, what, what is that? That's the part that's alive. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is quick. That doesn't just mean like Zorro, quick, all right? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that. Uh, who knows who Zorro is? Please raise your hand. Who does not? I, you, okay, thank God. All right, good, good. Uh, so, so we're not talking about Zorro quick. We mean like alive. It's alive and well. There's no book that... There's no book that when you read it, it's reading you like this one, all right? So the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edges sword, so it's alive. So when it says, He quickeneth whom He will, He brings to life whoever He will, and there's a connection there to the, the idea of a resurrection. Uh, look at uh, verse number 22. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto who? Lord. Unto the Son. All right, well, let me give you some things to consider. I'm going to try to line myself up over here. All right, so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. And uh, with him came up others, Matthew chapter 27. There was an earthquake, and after that earthquake, uh, the Bible says that there was the, the bodies of the saints who had slept arose, and 40 days and 40 nights they were on the earth walking around. What happens after that? You got your guess, all right? There's uh, different thoughts and different commentary on it, but I know this much. I believe the book. They came up. It'd be like zombies walking around a city. That would be a great witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. All right? So he comes up from the dead and others come up with him. He's the first fruits, all right? Well, we are part of something called the, what the Bible would call the harvest. 
And there's also a, a, a rapture of tribulation saints as well, which is why there's so much confusion in the Gospels. Uh, there's a rapture of tribulation saints, and there's also a rapture of Moses and Elijah. Revelation chapter 11 says that they come back, uh, and they come back and preach, and after they preach, the Antichrist kills them, and their bodies lie in the streets for three days. And people rejoice over dead bodies in the streets. Talk about mankind getting more sophisticated and more cultured and more loving and more the world coming together. <laughs> bodies of preachers lying in the streets, and people are rejoicing over it for three days. All right, that's sick is what that is. I don't care if it's my worst enemy. I don't want to see your body lying there for three days. Uh, that's vile. Someone that enjoys it. You said a whole world that does that is a world that's connected by media and believes everything that's being told them. And that's where you're headed. Well, all that said, there's, all, there's different raptures, different resurrections. But then there's this last one. All right, and this last one's kind of a key one. Look at Daniel chapter number 12. Daniel chapter 12. Now, the Old Testament saints understood something about a general resurrection. They didn't know anything about the rapture. They didn't know anything about Moses and Elijah coming back and them being caught up to heaven. That's not revealed to Revelation chapter 11, all right? Uh, they didn't understand the church, let alone the rapture of the church. Um, uh, look at, uh, but, but what they did understand was that there was going to be a final resurrection of the dead, all right? Reve uh, Daniel chapter number 12, and as you look at Daniel chapter 12, there's some profound stuff in Daniel. Uh, they call Daniel the sister book to the book of Revelation, and rightly so. Daniel 12, look at verse number 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, that's Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even at that same time. That's right here. Jeremiah chapter 30 calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. So if you're writing notes in your Bible or taking notes, you can write Jeremiah 30 verse 7 right there next to Daniel chapter 12 verse number 1. All right? Uh, and at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book, uh, talking about a remnant of Israel, Revelation chapter 12. Now look at verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Now watch it. Some to everlasting life, and some to everlasting what? Contempt. It's kind of like what you read in John 5, verse 29. If you want to write a cross-reference there, I, I put John 5, 29. All right? Uh, now, now here's what you have to get a hold of. Let me, let me, let's go back to John 5 real quick. John 5 real quick. And, and I know we're bouncing around. It's Sunday school, right? And so we're going to be bouncing around the Word of God a little bit this morning. John 5, verse 29. And notice how they get to this resurrection. And, and notice what happens with those that did right. Now, I want to make this very, very clear. Your resurrection, you're, if you're a child of God, if you're born again this morning, would you just say amen, raise your hand, do something, do the hokey pokey dance, do something, all right? All right, amen. All right, so if you're saved, what that means is you are saved not on the merit of yourself, but on the merit of Jesus Christ. You've been justified and cleared of guilt because of what he did and your acceptance of his payment for your sins. Make sense? All right, so, so therefore, the resurrection you experience is simply because he promised that if you are in him, he came up from the dead. You will also come up from the dead as well. All right? So that, that's, that's your resurrection. That's over here. All right? That's 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, that's Romans chapter 8. That's 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, we shall all sleep, but we shall all be changed. All right? Uh, however, what you just read, uh, it, it's kind of connected with works. Look at John 5, verse 29. And, he, and shall come forth they that have, what's, what are the next two words? This is not about you. You need to get a hold of that. We're, we're rightly dividing the Bible right now, okay? Uh, they that have done good under the resurrection of life 
And they that have done evil on the resurrection of what? All right. You know what that means? At that final resurrection. Now, the way we, we often talk about the great white throne, go to Revelation 20. The way we talk about the great white throne judgment, and rightfully so, because today, if you die today and you end up with the great white throne judgment, do you know what that means? That means you rejected Jesus Christ dying for your sins, and you're going to pay for them yourself. However, what you need to understand is that not everybody at the great white throne judgment is lost. You go, well, what does that mean? Why would I? No, no, no. Okay, so watch it. I can tell right now I, can, I lost some of you. Um, so you've got Old Testament saints over here, okay? And you've got the church, which is a unique body that experiences its own separate resurrection. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter, Galatians, all right? Jew or Gentile, Ephesians, one body. All right, so, so this is a, 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 a body, if you will, that experiences its own resurrection and, furthermore, its own judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. That's this one right here, judgment number three, the judgment of a servant. That's where you, you are uh, uh, brought up, uh, given everlasting life as far as the body is concerned. You already have that in your soul, but your body has not experienced that yet. You're going to be rise from the dead, uh, risen from the dead, or if you're alive when it happens, it wouldn't mind if it happened right now. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it right now. Now, whenever it happens, if you're alive when it happens, uh, basically what's going to happen is this. You're going to drop this body. And I can't explain all of it because it's called a mystery, and it's going to dissipate. And I, I don't know, the old, the old preachers would draw it uh, with a pool of blood at the bottom because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And, and so, and, and I'm not just talking about Dr. Ruppman. I mean, all the old preachers would preach that because it was something that was believed. Flesh and blood, that's what it says. Not flesh and bone. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a pool of blood. And, and you say, what happens? I don't know. I leave that behind. That's the, 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 the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's the old man dying once and for all. And I'm going up. And I, when I go up, I've got a new body. And the body that I'm going to have is going to be fashioned in the image of Jesus Christ. Now you say, that sounds crazy. It sounds sci-fi. It's in the Bible. Now, you don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe it. I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm a red, white, and blue American. Believe what you want. You know, proud to be an American. You know, at least I know I'm free. I can believe whatever I want to believe. Uh, you want to believe whatever you want to believe? That's fine. But here's the problem I have. Whenever the Bible clearly teaches something and you believe one part of it, then you don't the other. Yeah. You can't do that. Right. Either you believe it or you don't. Now, if that's true, and I believe it absolutely 1,000% is, not 100%, 1,000%, happens, you say, what's going to happen? We're going to go up, and when we go up, we're going to be judged. But the judgment we're going to experience is going to be connected not so much with whether or not we're saved, but according to 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Timothy 2, uh, and a number of other passages, uh, it's going to be uh, related to what we did with the opportunities to serve the Lord once we got saved. Well, guess what's connected with that judgment? A resurrection. How about that? Um, Listen, uh, as it relates to uh, the judgment on sin, you know where the judgment on sin took place? At the cross. And guess what's connected with it? A resurrection. Uh, there's the judgment of you as a child of God in confessing your sins. You all, there's no resurrection there. Sure is. The old man's dead. There's new man. Raised to walk in the newness of life, Romans chapter 6. All right? Then there's the judgment of the sinner without God. You say, where's that? Well, it's over here. For someone that rejects Jesus Christ today or someone from a different dispensation over here, 
that didn't do right with the light that God gave them, whether that was their, the law of God for the Jews or the conscience, Romans 2, for the Gentile. Either way, if they didn't follow the light God gave them, that's where they're going. And you say, what's going to happen? Well, when, what's going to happen there is the, the, the judgment of God is going to be committed to the Son. Look at Romans chapter number 2. Romans 2. Romans chapter 2. You know what's interesting? is uh, You want to hear something pretty wild? People shake their fist at God right now. That's not wild. That's understandable. Uh, you, know what's, you know what's wild, though? They're going to do it at the great white throne judgment. After everything, after being in hell maybe for millennia and grinding your teeth and getting a, a, a release from that and standing before that which is holy and pure love and pure righteousness and pure wisdom and standing in front of this being that created everything, including you, and that lost soul out of pride. Pride will take you so low. That's why, uh, that's why when people die and, and go to hell, uh, they go to a place that wasn't made for them. God doesn't want them there. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Because of pride. I will, I will, I will. Uh, but when you follow your, your father, the devil, John chapter 8, verse 44, if you're not saved, when you follow your father, you know, do you follow in, in like manner? Think about this. The devil knows he's going to lose in the end. He's still fighting the whole way through. So look at Romans. I'm, I'm, I'm probably got ahead of myself, but look at Romans 2, verse 16 first. And look what it says here. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by who? Jesus by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. You know what that means? All the secrets are going to come out right here at the great white throne. And by the way, Romans 2 is not talking about the judgment seat of Christ. It's talking about the final judgment. All right? And so at that last judgment, the secrets of men will be judged by not, not some other man, not some other person of your choosing, but by Jesus Christ himself. Why? He was 100% God and 100% man. Why? Because he went through all the temptations and resisted every single one. And so you know what's going to happen? Look at Romans chapter 3. Man's going to get up there before God's throne and going to say, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what I went through. And I experienced this and I experienced that. Look at Romans 3 verse 4. Uh, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, this is in the Old Testament, Psalm 51, verse 4, as it is written, uh, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. He's talking to God. God's going to be judged at his own judgment. At the final judgment, you know what's going to happen? God's going to be laying out the, the declaration of justice and man's going to go, that's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. And you know what? All, all he has to do is say, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. And every mouth is going to be stopped and every knee is going to bow before Jesus Christ. Right. Now, now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because the argument in John chapter 5 is, who exactly is this man, Jesus Christ? Does he have the power to judge? And clearly, according to all of this, God the Father gives that power to his Son, not only to judge, but to call them out of the grave, all right, for that final judgment. Uh, just like you're going to experience, look at uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 and John 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and John chapter 10. Just like you're going to experience this in the rapture, and you're going to be called up, all right? You know what's going to happen at, the, at that last judgment? Uh, he's going to call all those that have not yet been judged. Now, the reason why I don't face a judgment for my sin, like, like okay, Re I told you Revelation 20, didn't I? Yeah. I did, didn't I? You're still there?
Some of you, so I was like, I am. All right. Go to, go to Revelation chapter 20. We'll come back there. Go to Revelation 20. Sorry, guys. Lots of things going through my head. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Uh, there's going to come a day when I'm going to get old enough to where you're going to have to put the notes up here. You're going to have to tell me where to go. And uh, Between now and then, every once in a while, just remind me where we're at, all right? Revelation 20, look at verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne. This is that last judgment. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their what? All right. Well, the way that we present this in this day and age is that if you die without Jesus Christ, he's going to look at the works of your life and compare you to Jesus Christ. And that's the right way to apply it. But you need to understand that there are people in different times. How about these folks that come through the millennium? All right, and right before eternity is this last judgment. Then we go out into eternity from there. All right, where are they going to get judged? They're not going to the judgment seat of Christ. That's already passed. All right, you say, what's left? This is it. So if someone's righteous in the millennium, they get judged there as well. See, Baptists have made it to where the only part of the Bible that ever applies to anything is about New Testament Christians. That's not true. There's all kinds of stuff in there that has nothing to do with the church. And, and so when you look at this, understand, there'll be some that have done good, that will come up at that last resurrection, and they're going to go into life. But they'll be the majority, because broad is the way that leads to destruction. They're going to be going to their death. Uh, look, look at Revelation chapter 20, verse, uh, oh, we'll skip down to verse 13. Uh, verse 13, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. Uh, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were uh, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into what? This is the second what? And who, sir, was not confirmed and catechized and baptized and it's not what it says, does it? And who, sir, was not found written in the book of life was cast where? All right. God doesn't want anyone going there, but people are going to go there. Uh, and that's a great reminder that God does not force his will on other people. Neither should you. All right. Uh, that, that said, the idea is this. There's this final judgment, this final resurrection. And what's going to happen is God, the Lord is going to call them out. You say, where will those people have been during that time? Not all of them, but many of them in hell. And they're going to come up. Why? To be judged. And there'll be some that made it through from over here, and they'll be judged. All right? Uh, you say, how come the church doesn't face a judgment on sin? Here's why. Because if you're in Christ, God's judgment was poured out right here. He judged the Son. He judged the Son for you. All right? The Bible says He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. All right, so, so that's why we don't have to experience that. It's not because we're any better than anyone else. It's because we got in on a great deal. You got, this is the greatest time to get saved in all of human history. All right, when, you, when you're going through something in your life, like, God, why me? Why now? Just stop and go, thank God I'm not in the Old Testament. Thank God I'm not in the tribulation. And thank God I don't have to, you know, uh, uh, dot, my, I, I, dot my I's and cross my T's in the millennium. I'm glad that when I make it here, I'm going to have a perfect body already. I mean, I won't be able to sin, because if I had the capacity, I probably would, all right? Uh, so that said, look at, uh, oh, let's see here, First uh, Peter chapter 3, First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, then we'll get to First Thessalonians. Some of you are like, preacher, you keep moving around. I know, it's like a moving target. 
First Peter chapter 3, look at verse number uh, 22. Who is gone into heaven. Who's he talking about? Look at the last part of verse 21. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made what? All right, well, you know how they were made subject unto him? Get a hold of this. The reason that they were made subject unto him and he has the power to judge is because he first learned obedience even unto death, the death of the cross. I'm telling you, I'm going to keep going over this. If you want more power in your life that's spirit-led in your life to do right and to live for God, it's going to come with a cost. You know what the cost is? More submission. When you want to say something to somebody that you know is led by your flesh, just shut your mouth. Amen. When you want to write the score and you want to get involved in a mess that's not even yours to get involved in, and you want to fix it all, and the Holy Spirit's like, run for your life. Right? Do it. Listen to Him. You say, what is that? Just submission. You say, why? You get more power that way. So, so He's at the right hand of God. When He died, He went to the right hand of God the Father, and He's there interceding for us, and He's our attorney. He's our advocate, but for those who reject him, he'll be their judge. And that's the point that's being made in John chapter 5. Now look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and then John chapter 10. And I want to draw a correlation, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and John 10. Are we learning anything? I hope so. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, my daughter, who's in Bible school, said, Dad, I'm going to watch your message after I get done with my church service. I said, I don't need another Bible school graduate critiquing my messages. <laughs> <laughs> she just laughed. First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, look if you would at verse number uh, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. If it happened right now, because you're physically alive, all right, and you're a born-again child of God, you, we, we would be waiting for something to happen first. You say, what is that? The dead in Christ rising. And once they rise, look at verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Um, you know why I know I don't go through the tribulation? Because the theme of, Th of Thessalonians for the believer is comfort. Uh, and in chapter 5 and verse 9, he says, God's not appointed us to wrath. All right, so uh, that said, look at John 10, and, and I'm going to draw a correlation here. John chapter 10. Jesus Christ has delegated a, a authority from the Father, um, and that's what he expresses when he's on this earth, and they're trying to challenge his authority. Uh, that's why one time when they say, where'd you get your power, where'd you get your authority? He goes, I'll ask you a question. John the Baptist, where'd you get his? Uh, 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 then I'm not going to answer you either, and he moves on. <laughs> uh, John chapter 10, look if you would at verse number, uh, let's see here, yeah, verse 10, that's, well, is that what I want? Uh, no, go back to verse number uh, 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his what? And he calleth his own sheep by what? And leadeth them out. Where is he going to lead us out of? He's going to lead us out of this present evil world. He's going to call us out. Look at uh, verse number 4. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his what? Verse 5, why would you suppose he mentions a stranger? A stranger will they not follow? Well, there's two things there. From a practical standpoint, you could say, if you're walking in fellowship with God, when you hear other voices, you know it's not his. That's one practical application. 
from a doctrinal application, uh, in 2 Thessalonians 2, it sure looks like what, what the Lord lays out there through the Apostle Paul is that there's two things that have to happen for the rapture of the church, the day of Christ. One is the falling away of the church, and the other is the revealing of the Antichrist. Now, the question is, who is he revealed to? I don't, he's not revealed to the world. They don't know who he is. Uh, but it would be us if you're in fellowship with God. You say, how do you know? Um, John, the disciple, leans on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. He's the only one that gets clued in on the fact that, that, that uh, Judas is the son of perdition. You say, what's John the picture of? The church. Why would he mention you not following a stranger unless you have the capacity to follow one? Are you with me? <laughs> All right. So that said, what you have there is this. He calls us out by name. And when he calls us out by name, do you know why? Number one, the reason why is this. A shepherd knows his sheep. And number two, the other thing is this. You've got some, some explaining to do. All right, if you're a child of God, you know where you go? Uh, you're, thank God you're not going here, amen? But you're going to go and stand in front of him and give account of your life. So you know what he does over here? He does the same thing. He says, come on out. The only problem is these folks that are coming up, uh, you know, unfortunately what the Bible says about them is they're going to be in the lake of fire forever and ever. Don't, don't think for a moment you're better than them. You're not. Um, you just asked Jesus Christ to save you. He didn't. <laughs> All right. That, that said, though, I, I want you to understand Jesus is not just some man that made up the rules when he showed up here. He's in submission to God's law and to God's spirit and to God the Father himself. All right. And his judgment is righteous, whether people like it or not. Uh, when he comes back and he comes back on a white horse, you know, the Bible says a sharp sword goeth out of his mouth, a double edged sword. And you say, why is that? Because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, he'll consume the Antichrist with the spirit of his mouth. You know what those words are? They are breathed out by the spirit of God. They are inspired of God. They're led by the spirit of God. Uh, so when Jesus comes back and he comes back on that white horse, you know what people are going to be saying? They're going to be saying, you can't say that. That's against the rules. You can't say that's politically incorrect. And he's going to say, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. All right, so, so the idea is this. You know where the power comes from? It comes from submitting to the Spirit of God. And when you do that, you speak God's words. This is what Jesus is showing them to prove that he is who he said he was. All right, look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Some of you hearing those jets are going, is that the Lord? <laughs> Lord, are we, are we get ready, getting ready to go? <laughs> that's where you're like, okay, Lord, what I said last night I should have said, and what I, I looked at, I'm sorry. Yeah, that would be a good time to do it. Uh, John chapter 7. Uh, look at verse number 24. God's judgment, Jesus Christ's judgment is righteous. Whether man likes it or not. Uh, John 7, look at verse 24. Judge not according to the appearance. Now, you know what that is? That's a command to judge. Read it well. Read it well. He's not saying never judge anything. You'd be a fool not to judge anything. Uh, you know, if some pervert wants to take my kid, I'd be a fool to go, okay. Yeah, teach him whatever you want. No way, man. No. <laughs> you say, well, I, but my job is to discern things with, from the word of God and go, is it right or is it right? He's going to help grow closer to Jesus Christ. Is he going to pull me away? Uh, that's called righteous judgment, but it's not based on my agenda. Listen to me carefully. It's not based on my prejudices. Right. It's not based on I like. It's based on God said. Amen. Right. And so the Lord Jesus, when man is there presenting his case to God, he's going to say, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he's going to have the power to judge. Look at John 5, John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. What an amazing thought that your high priest, your advocate, the one that pleads at the right hand of God the Father, uh, will also one day judge the world. 
And uh, you ought to approach him, uh, I believe, with some humility. And uh, I, I think the church in large, not our church, but the church at large is kind of lost. It's kind of like come to God however you want. Uh, no, you don't. You, you ought to come to God with some humility and some reverence. Uh, he's not JC and the crew. Okay? He's not your homeboy. You're not hanging with Christ. You're not hanging with Jesus or any of that, any of that other garbage. Uh, you come to, to reverently worship him. That, and by the way, can I say this? I get tired of people uh, making this stuff like uh, racially charged. I'm not saying it from a racially charged standpoint. I'm saying that uh, pop culture, white, black, doesn't matter, wants to make Jesus Christ just another guy. He's, he's not just another guy. He's the Savior of the world. And he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, look at John 5 and verse number 24. Uh, John 5, verse 24. Uh, verily, verily, I say to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Present tense, by the way. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Let me, let me just look at one verse for you, since we don't have time to do all this. Look at Colossians chapter 1. And I want you to remember the, the, the word you just read. You are passed from death unto life. You are, you are I'll say it like this, you are translated, all right? Uh, look at uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and by the way, the, the way that you, you received that eternal life wasn't by good works, wasn't by joining a church, it was by believing on Him, all right? Now, I will say this, John, uh, the gospel of John is written somewhere around 90 AD, so you know what that means? It was written after Paul's writings, so you're going to see things in the gospel of John that you don't get out of Matthew and Mark and Luke, very clearly. Uh, what you read in John and John 5 verse 24 we just read runs closely parallel to what Paul talks about in Romans 4 that you are justified by believing on his name all right you don't find that so much in the other gospels look at uh, uh, Colossians 1 verse number 13 or verse 12 giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath what translated us, he passed us from, from over here, the power of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Aren't you glad for the promise of God that when you believe on him, you are passed from death unto life? Amen. Let's all stop right there. We'll, we'll have a word of prayer. Uh, Brother uh, uh, Steon, good to have you in church. If you ask the blessing we just heard.